on May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bringing consciousness to the grief process. In this episode, Eckhart answers questions about dealing with grief consciously. He explains what the grief process looks like for an awakened person. Eckhart believes even if we're in touch with the transcendent dimension, we will still experience grief. He says when we are awakened, grief doesn't disappear completely. However, the intensity will be less. Eckhart also explains that facing death or the possibility of death is vital because it is the catalyst for the evolution of our consciousness. Hello, everybody. Wonderful to be with you. Thank you for being so present that even to say that you were patient is no longer correct because patience is a kind of intermediate stage. It's kind of trying to be really patient. I'm, I'm so patient. You're not yet, you haven't yet fully arrived in the now, but you're, you're patient. It's better than not being patient and restless and so on. And as you become present, even the concept of patience disappears. Every concept in fact disappears. That's, there are many ways in which one could encapsulate the essence of all spirituality, whatever you want to call it. Even there we come to a word already, it's a choice of words. There are many ways you could encapsulate the essence. A very simple one, for example, would be to say this spiritual awakening and the spiritual, the arising of the transcendent dimension, which is what it is, comes through the letting go of concepts. A little threatening perhaps for many people who are so identified with mental concepts that they derive the entire sense of self from them. So, if you derive your identity, your sense of who you are, your sense of I, if you derive that from mental concepts, then letting go of concepts is something threatening to be feared. That even includes spiritual concepts. Now, concept is another word for thought. In the English language, there's a word that usually has negative connotations, 
and that is the word thoughtless. Uh, in the normal usage, to be thoughtless is not a good thing. <laughs> and it implies that the, that the next thing that you do is, is going to have very bad consequences <laughs> when you act from state of thoughtlessness. But there's another way, there's a deeper meaning behind thoughtless and that's not common usage. Therefore, I, I, I would not use the term thoughtless to talk about it, but I would say free of thought. Thoughtless probably would imply that you are below thought. You act out of some impulse. <laughs> then comes thought. Then comes the possibility, the realization, that there is a dimension of consciousness that is above thought. And that's easily realized when you become aware of an inner space of just awareness itself. Space of no thought, freedom from thought. But your sense of beingness, however, is still there. But it can no longer be defined in, through concepts. It's just pure beingness, which cannot be doubted. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. The one thing you cannot doubt is that you are. Everything else that you perceive and think about may well be the matrix, whatever it is. It may be a projection, it may be a dreamlike state. All kinds of things are possible, but the one thing that cannot be doubted is the presence of consciousness, I am. And that realization is uh, you arrive at as you arise above thought, a clear space of awareness. And that awareness is a deep sense of you haven't lost yourself. I wrote this little book a long time ago, Stillness Speaks. I think the first sentence is goes something like, you are never more truly yourself than when you are still. And to be still, of course, is to be free of concepts, free of thoughts, but awake, aware. That's the transcendent dimension. 
that opens up. You transcend concepts, which transcend doesn't mean you completely eliminate concepts. They are still able to operate, but no longer form the basis, foundation for your sense of identity. That spiritual realization, spiritual awakening. Now to the self that's derived from concepts, that is a kind of death. So it's quite possible for a spiritual seeker <laughs> to arrive at this threshold. You've learned a lot about liberation, awakening, spirituality, and then at some point after reading 200 books about it and going to workshops and lectures, at some point you reach that point where it's time to let go even of what you think you know about spirituality. Or if you've been reading about well, scriptures, some people, God is an important thing for many people. It's, but of course, God also, until there comes a deeper realization, God is a concept. And at some point, yes, if you spend years reading whatever it is, religious texts, whatever tradition, and at some point, you've reached this threshold where you have to let go of your concept of God also in order to find the reality that is behind that word God. You have to let go of the concept, the word God. <laughs> the Buddha must have realized that because he never used the word God. <laughs> And as you realize this, something emerges that I call the deep I, I, the deep I. And the surface I recedes quite a bit. It doesn't disappear completely while you're still, you're still here in a physical form uh, with a memory and so on. The surface eye, the interpersonality, the surface eye is there, but it becomes less important. And all the things associated with the surface eye, the personality, the person, many of these things still operate. The surface eye has certain imperfections, inadequacies, undoubtedly. They won't go away. The, the insanity that's sometimes associated with the surface eye does tend to go away, or does go away. There are many other inadequacies and imperfections and limitations of the surface eye that may remain, but you have transcended them, transcended. It means you haven't eliminated, you have gone beyond. They're still there, but they no longer give you your sense of self. They're not, there's no longer the center of your life. This, the self becomes a little less important and then even less important. And then you can have a 
be, become comfortable with a personality because it becomes a vehicle for the deep eye to manifest itself into this dimension. Don't underestimate the power of nature to help you free yourself from concepts and from yourself. In other words, nature can be a very helpful thing to free you from yourself, to bring you to a perhaps temporary self-transcendence as you go into nature, whatever nature it may be, a forest, the ocean shore, the desert, the forest, the desert, a garden, or even just the sky, the tree, the weather. I love weather, different kinds of weather always give. But you have to, it's not enough to just go out into nature. You have to really be there with your senses fully. And if you're there fully with your senses, then you're not imposing concepts on nature. You're able to see and hear and feel directly without any mental labels. And it's very subtle. It's no longer just the magnificent things that like a magnificent sunset, although they're wonderful. It's not just the spectacular things in nature, which sometimes are there, but ordinary things that normally humans would overlook because humans are always looking for the spectacular or the big thing that stands out, not only in nature, in their own lives too. They, they go completely ignore the so-called ordinary, which is 99% of your life is the ordinary things of daily existence. But they're looking for the spectacular, the one thing, the big thing. And sometimes it comes and then it goes. And then you're back to the ordinary. <laughs> or sometimes it comes and it stays the big thing but if it stays it's no longer a big thing it becomes ordinary too <laughs> so you go into nature and perceive with this alertness and you realize you can know nature not through concepts but directly through awareness instead of through conceptualization. And that is a, these are the two modalities of knowing, conceptual knowing, which we need. Yes, there's a place for it, but it becomes destructive if we become consumed by conceptual knowing and don't know anything else except concept concepts. <laughs> then it becomes a terrible, terrible prison. And so that means you have not transcended concepts. You are imprisoned by concepts. Then you discover there is another way of knowing. Not to replace concepts, but an additional dimension, a dimension of depth 
that wasn't there before. And you, you didn't, well, it was there, but you had no idea it was there, so it wasn't there for you. <laughs> you can have a hundred million dollars in the bank, but if you don't know it, you're poor. You have no idea that you have it. <laughs> of course, what we're talking about is infinitely vaster than a hundred million dollars. <laughs> so to know something is always a choice. What's the best? how to approach anything that comes into your life through judging, through concepts, judgment and concepts go together. And then there's a, a deeper knowing that comes from the deep eye. It doesn't consist of judgments, and yet you know that there's a knowing. And you can, you can test it with things like you can, you can just look at something, and, or even an object, nature is even better, you can look at something without any words in your mind, and you know what it is. Look at a tree, any tree, look at a tree. You know what it is. Well, yes and no, it's hard to say whether you, there's a deep recognition of this thing that we call tree when we use concepts. And yet there's also something deeper that, that you, that goes deeper than sense perceptions and certainly deeper than any concept. And when you're still for just a moment and observe something visually or through auditory perception, whatever it may be, the song of a bird or, or the sound of rain or whatever it may be, or the sky, and you see it and there's a deep knowing, unitive, I sometimes call it unitive knowing, you and it merge. There's no longer a sense of me and it, the separation. You and it, this unitive knowing. And that's deeply peaceful and deeply satisfying and wonderful, this unitive knowing. The sense of separation falls away that inevitably comes when you only relate through concepts. Because every concept is a limited form. It is this, but not this. And so if you define your identity only through concepts, then your sense of identity needs the other that is not like you in order to survive. That's very interesting. Let's say you, you're part of a, let's say it's a religious a church and the members of this church believe that only we are in possession of the truth, all the others are not only wrong, they're actually evil. Everybody who is not part of us is evil. They, they define, every member of the church defines his or her identity through the other. If suddenly the entire planet were at this, exactly the same beliefs, it couldn't be, couldn't be form your identity anymore. You would lose your sense of identity without the other. <laughs> I sometimes give the example of racial identity too. Well, it's fine to race is part of your form identity, physical form in this case. Form identity is also psychological form, of course. So if form identity is to be acknowledged, it's there, it's fine. Recognized, accepted, it's fine. But to what extent does it give you your sense of who you are? 
if 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 your racial identity is the most important part of your sense of who you are, <laughs> then I suggest you imagine a scenario where you are taken by a, a spaceship suddenly comes and takes you to a planet where everybody is exactly the same race as you. Everybody, exactly the same. Which means your entire sense of identity that was built on race will collapse because the other is gone. <laughs> Am I without the other? So with concepts, you need the other. And if you're very strongly embedded and entrapped by concepts, you need to emphasize how different the other is from you. And that strengthens your sense of self. It's called ego. Personal ego, collective ego, doesn't matter with all the forms of ego. So in the egoic sense of identity, you desperately need the other. <laughs> and that is the absence of love. You can't afford yourself really to love, you can't love the other, you need to say the other is not, you are superior obviously to the other. So love, true love can only arise in the unitive knowing, not knowing through concepts, then you can sense something in the so-called other that is not other at all, that is one with who you are, the essence of who you are. And you look at a human being, a so-called other human being, and you recognize something, but you can't say what exactly that is, but you recognize their beingness their essence, their breath, beyond the veil of the personality, which of course is there. And it could be that sometimes the veil of the personality is so dense that it's very hard to recognize the essence of that human that can happen. <laughs> it's somewhere. <laughs> and so you need to pierce through that density of the personality, heavy, heavy karma, whatever term you want to use in the other. And then it's there, or sometimes you can't sense it at all because it's so dense. And then something may happen, and suddenly there's a crack in it, and then there's a moment of where the, the recognition beyond the person, beyond the personality. This is all so vital that uh, everything else in your life recedes into relative insignificance regarding considering how important this is, this, this realization, this it's not just a temporary realization, it's this, the transition to this state of consciousness where the deep eye and the surface eye live together. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. 
Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Let's see if there are any questions. Hi, thank you. Thank you, Eckhart, for your teachings and for taking my question. So I'm just going to read it. Uh, so in the last few years, I've lost several uh, key relationships to death, drug addiction, mental health illness, and other uh, reasons. And so I've been in a continuous state of grieving uh, and it's been really draining. And so I do uh, finally feel myself like approaching acceptance or some sense of peace. And, uh, but I wonder if I could have uh, manage the process better or made progress more quickly. And so my questions are, you know, what does the process of grieving look like for an awakened person? Um, does one experience those classic stages of like denial and anger and bargaining and depression? Or is there more like an immediate like acceptance or transcendence and also, can you please provide guidance on how to bring awareness and consciousness to the grief process? Thank you. Thank you. It helps, of course, to have had some realization of what we've been calling the deep eye when you are faced with death around people that happens to people around you. If you've had some awareness or you have some awareness of the transcendent dimension it does not mean that grieving will disappear grieving will be there the other uh, uh, things you mentioned will probably not be there so much and if but if they are like uh, denial and anger and so on if they are there you will recognize them. There will be an awareness that recognizes that this is happening to you. That's very different from it happening to you without awareness. And if it's happening to you while you're aware that this is happening, they are short-lived. Anger, denial, anger, and so on, whatever they are. And what remains then is the grieving or the sadness that comes, grieving comes mourning, sadness that comes with it, that remains for a while, but you are not consumed by it. There is a sadness and there is also, that, that, that sadness is not incompatible with a deep sense of peace. In fact, they kind of go together. One of my favorite things, especially when I go to Europe, like England, the English villages, countryside, each village has an old church. And then there's an old churchyard with gravestones, sometimes two, three, four hundred years old. 
and often the name is already half eroded or eroded. Sometimes it's still legible. And there is a, what I sent, there is a, a sadness at the impermanence of the human condition, but also a very deep sense of peace. And uh, the grieving process, therefore, is something that still operates because that's to do with, yes, it is very sad to, to lose this being that you knew, you knew the form of this being, the physical body and the personality, and that suddenly is no longer there, that leaves a very painful gap hole, a hole in the, I sometimes call it a hole in the tapestry of your life, the tapestry of your life where everything looks all nicely arranged, and then suddenly something is torn out of it. It's it's painful, and it's particularly painful if all you know, you don't know what's behind the tapestry, you only know the surface of it, <laughs> then it's particularly painful. And of course, when this hole is torn into the tapestry, torn out of it, a piece is torn out, that is also an opportunity, even if you have never realized the, the deeper dimension before, if you're able to accept this whole, the, the disappearance of the sudden disappearance of this person, it's something very strange, very strange. If you're able to accept it, then this becomes an opening into the transcendent dimension. This is why some people, when they are confronted with death, or even they become aware of the existence of death, some people don't even believe that they are going to die. Conceptually, on the surface, they say, yes, of course, I'm going to die one day, but they don't. It's, it's not, they don't know, really know that. Then somebody close to them suddenly dies. And for some people, that for the first time, they become the, aware of the reality of death. And that can be a terrible shock. It can be extremely painful but it can also bring about a sudden deepening if you're able to accept this. This is harder in our contemporary culture, Western culture. Of course, a lot of the world has become Westernized by now, but Western culture traditionally denies death. Not hasn't always been like that, but contemporary Western culture is so focused on externals, is so focused on things and getting things, doing things, all the world of form, and has kind of lost awareness of the inner dimension. And, and it has a symptom of this is the denial of death. It's a little less so right now, but it has been a taboo for a long, long time to talk about it. It's, it's regarded as a something that should not be happening, it's something the most terrible, terrible thing. So grieving is something that will still happen, but you're not consumed by it anymore as you become accepting of the fleetingness of 
the human form, uh, you no longer, it no longer consumes you. Grieving also is a, has a natural lifespan. That's fine. But when you are consumed by grieving, then it can happen that you for, for a year or two or three continue to grieve even about one person's death and you can continue to be consumed by grief and it destroys your life. It doesn't, you're not helping anybody. The person who is no longer here in the physical form, if he or she observed you would be very sad if you were still grieving after two or three years. And why are you still grieving? Because you are continuously reviving in your mind. You have memories attached with your life with that person. And the memories revive, continuously revive the emotion. You relive this again and again and again. And there's a lack of awareness there where you can bring your attention away from compulsive thinking and bring your attention into the reality and the aliveness of the present moment. So death is something, it's a vital part of spiritual realization is uh, to, to investigate and to face death. It's all around us continuously, but it's a tab we don't, you don't, you know, you don't see dead bodies usually, but so you then you have the illusion that death is an anomaly. It's an anomaly because you never see any dead bodies until somebody close to you dies and you don't see any dead bodies because it's it's regarded as so there's something wrong with seeing a dead body. It's, it's a taboo. Unless you're a very close relative, you cannot see a dead body. It hasn't always been like that. There was a time when we were more familiar with death and uh, therefore also less fearful, fearful. Fear to a very large extent is ultimately the fear of death. And uh, if we are able to investigate death, then an opportunity opens up for going deeper. Death, when you face it, either your own, the possibility of your own death, or somebody close to you approaching death or having just died is an enormous opportunity for deepening. And by deepening, I mean, you become aware of that which transcends the personality because that dies. The person dies, the physical form dies. The essence of that being is beyond death, but you have to find that which is beyond death within yourself. Then you're free of the fear of death. And that's a wonderful liberation. In uh, I don't know if you know in in some in many many uh, traditional cultures, very ancient cultures in all parts of the world, for people who were reaching adulthood, adolescents who were reaching adulthood, they had initiations. They had to face a very difficult situation that was part of their life was structured that way. When you reached a certain age. You had to, you were confronted with a difficult situation that in some cases even led to death. So it was, you were 
you, you encounter the possibility of death. Sometimes you might have been sent out into the jungle and survive there alone for two or three days. I'm not saying we should go back to that. I'm just explaining that's how it is. But there's this very deep wisdom embedded in that. And these people who did that, they wouldn't have been able to explain what they did. It was an expression of, of an innate wisdom. And what was the purpose of that? The purpose of that was is to bring an end to childhood by forcing this adolescent to face the possibility of death, bring about a deepening in who they are. And when, when they emerge out of that ordeal, they are transformed to some extent. They are a deeper human being and they have reached adulthood. They do not carry childhood into, into their 20s and 30s, as is often the case in Western culture. <laughs> it's everywhere. There's lots of adult children around in Western culture. So just look on the internet. So the, the deep wisdom in this, we can't go back to that right now. This is not the situation people would say. We cannot return to initiation rituals where adolescents are facing death. Our culture does not allow for that and that's fine but to understand that <laughs> there was a very deep wisdom in that so something is lost that we have lost this uh, unfortunately so we have to find it in another way and this is of course why we are here and facing death or the possibility of death is the most vital thing that's inseparable from the evolution of of your consciousness. It, it's absolutely vital. So death is a, a wonderful thing uh, without which there would be no evolution. In the Western world, if you look at paintings, old paintings done in medieval times and, and so on, you can often see when it's the rooms, there was a room where a man or woman sitting in a room and there's a desk on the desk or somewhere else on a shelf or the windowsill, there's a human skull. That was quite normal for people to have a human skull somewhere in the room on their desk or somewhere. Why? Because, well, they even had a name for it. I think it was called memento mori, which means the remembrance of death. So you would become, you would be continuously aware of mortality. Now, is that a bad thing? Not necessarily, because if you're continuously aware of mortality, it gives you a right perspective on the relative importance of the things that are happening in your life. And when, you, when you're aware of mortality, all the things that you thought were so incredibly important and all-consuming, suddenly you see it's even from a deeper perspective. And the deeper perspective is, in a few years, you will be gone. And with you, all your problems will be gone. <laughs> so that's very helpful. There is a transcendent dimension. The essence of who you are does not die because it's not even visible. It's not part of this world. That which inhabits the body, the human form, the mind, that which gives rise to the mind, that is the what Buddhists call Buddhists call the deathless. Jesus said, "Eternal life, find eternal life." Very inspiring. Buddha said, "The deathless." Of course, they are both true. 
different approaches. One states what it is, one states what it isn't. <laughs> and if you state what it is, there is the danger that you could mistake the concept for it. The kingdom of heaven, eternal life. Okay, where is it? It's going to come. So you're mistaking the concept for it, but the concept was very inspiring. You felt good about it, yes. And for some people, it might have worked. They might have realized what Jesus talks about when he says eternal life, which means timeless, by the way. Eternal doesn't mean it goes on and on. It means timeless. The timeless life that you are doesn't go on and on. The eternal life, the deathless realm is the Buddhist term, the deathless realm. Well, much harder to, to, to make that into a concept that you can believe in. And that's a good thing, because that forces you to realize the reality behind the words instead of making the words into an idol. <laughs> of course, over the centuries, Buddhists have also managed to transform many Buddhist terms into idols that they did manage. It just maybe took a little bit longer than with Christianity. Of course, not ever some. There are still people alive who realize the essence of Buddhism, obviously. There are people alive who realize the essence of Christianity. Of course, they're, they're one. So eternal life, the deathless realm, that is the, these are pointers. One is a negative pointer, one is a positive pointer. Becoming aware of the impermanence of all forms, when you don't reject it, but accept it fully fully accept the impermanence of all forms, then that takes you deeper. As long as you reject it, you say, oh, no, that's terrible. Look, all these people are dead now. I don't want to see them. That doesn't take you anywhere. You're more trapped in ego. But if you accept, it takes you deeper into the, the deathless, timeless, dimension within yourself. So the grieving process has a lifespan, and then it subsides. And even while you're grieving, through acceptance, you can be aware of a deep inner peace behind the grieving. They, they go, can go together. Thank you. That's so helpful. Thank you, Eckhart. <laughs> I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Eckhart Tolle, Essential Teachings, the podcast. You can follow these essential teachings on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, go to Spotify and follow this podcast. Join us next week for more enlightened teachings from Eckhart Tolle. Thank you for listening. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, essential central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.